0: So this psalm that we're looking at today is the only psalm written by Moses. It's the only psalm of Moses. And the, the title, the, uh, the prescript there says, A Prayer of Moses, the Man of God. And just to remind you, uh, there's lots of things that come to mind when you think of Moses, but one of the ones that I think uh, most likely this, this, the context in which this was written was the wilderness wanderings. You remember, Moses spent the last 40 years of his life walking around the desert. And he would die uh, before entering the promised land. And, and why were they walking around the desert? Well, for 40 years, an entire generation uh, would, would die over the course of that 40 years. And so Moses, uh, this was his lot in life. For the, for the last 40 years of his life, he would watch as every year something like 26,000 people would die there in the desert uh, until he himself would die. And so what we see in this psalm, it's a psalm of submission to God's plan for Moses' life. Moses is submitting himself to this difficult life that God has called him to. And what we're going to see as we we go through this is that this is a psalm uh, for moms. This is a psalm for moms. And it's also a psalm for anybody who has a mom or who loves a mom. Uh, We're going to see there's a lot of similarities between Moses' wilderness wanderings and what it's like to be a mom. And so let me, uh, let's read this. This is uh, God's word, Psalm chapter 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood, they are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning, it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening, it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath, we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. That we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants, and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. This is God's word. Let me pray. Lord, now as we turn our attention uh, to understanding and applying this psalm to our life, would you help us? Uh, God, we know that you are here. Holy Spirit, you are here and you live in your people. And so we ask that you would apply the word to our hearts. Uh, That we, we wouldn't just hear it, but we would actually do it. We would live like what you say is true. Uh, Give us faith, Lord. Give us soft hearts to believe and to receive your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Author K.J. Ramsey uh, spent, she has spent the last 14 years of her life uh, suffering from an autoimmune disorder for which there is no cure. And she writes a book about uh, what it's like to suffer from this this disorder in which she has chronic pain, um, chronic illness, and there's there's no hope. It's never going to change. She has no reason to think it will ever change aside from a miracle. And this is how she starts her book, her book, which is called uh, This Too Shall Last. This Too Shall Last. She says, this book is not a before and after story. I am writing this introduction as cold immunotherapy drips steadily into my bloodstream to control a disease from which hundreds of people, including myself, have prayed for me to be healed. With an IV in my hand, nausea on my lips, and a room full of other sick people in my view, I'm well aware that some diseases aren't healed. Some hard things stay in our lives until Jesus returns. So I'm here to tell a story from the middle, where so many of us live, yet so few describe. <clears throat> the culture, our culture, tells us uh, there's, there's basically one thing to do with suffering. If there's suffering in your life, you overcome it. Anything, anything less than that is failure. <clears throat> the, the only acceptable thing, uh, the American dream tells us, The only acceptable thing to do with suffering is to overcome it. But what happens when it cannot be overcome? What happens when you're like K.J. Ramsey in in a situation where there there is no hope? There is no chance of overcoming this suffering? When there's no before and after? There's perhaps no better example... Uh, in sort of the day to day of our lives of of this prolonged suffering than motherhood, now, yes, motherhood is filled with joy, and I would say the joys far outweigh uh, the sufferings, but today we 're going to be looking at the sufferings of motherhood, and not just motherhood, but for all of us, all christians just just think uh, how how it Motherhood starts. You find out you're pregnant. Yay! This is good news. Uh, well, over the next nine months, you uh, can kiss all the dreams that you had for your body goodbye. You know, your body will never be the same as a mom. Uh, then, if by God's grace you give birth and you have a healthy baby, the most precious thing in your life, which you've always taken for granted, will disappear, and that's sleep. And it's gone. It's gone. And so you think to yourself, you know, we just need to get through the sleepless nights. We get through these sleepless nights, we'll be okay. Well, then comes the, the whiny toddler years, which is where we are now. And in those years, you think, if we can just get through these years, it'll be okay. And then you get into the rebellious teenage years. You think, if we can just get through these years as parents, as a mom, then, then we'll be okay. And then your kids, they grow up, they move out of the house. And, and, and every time, even as adults, when you see your kids suffer, your heart is right there with them still suffering. And so at some point, as a mom, you have to realize that the suffering that comes with motherhood, it is not temporary. It's, it might change shapes, but you will always, your heart will always Suffer with your children. Moses, Moses was like a mom. He was like a mom to about one million kids. How do do I know this? Let me prove it to you. Well, Moses constantly had to deal with the nagging of his children for food. We We don't like what you're giving us. We don't like this. We're hungry. We're thirsty. We want more. We don't like the bread from heaven, we want meat. We don't like the meat, we want the bread. Back and forth, back and forth. What else did Moses have to deal with? His job, literally for 40 years, Moses' job as judge of Israel was to settle fights between one million children. He had to settle fights all day long, settle disputes. You can go read about this in Exodus in Numbers. <clears throat> for Moses, there would be no before and after. There was no before and after. He, his life would end, not in the promised land, but in the wilderness. So Moses, like, like all you moms, is a guy who's no stranger to suffering. So wh- whether you're mom or not, at some point you will find yourself in hard circumstances which are not going to go away in this life. In times like these, what what do we ask God for? You know, we're we're so good and we're so used to saying, God, would you please change my circumstance? But what about when the circumstances are not going to change? What do we say to God then? And so we're going to look at six things, six things to ask God for when your circumstances don't improve. And my goal is to go through these very quickly, (laughs) because there is six of them. Let's look there, starting in verse 1. The first thing we're asking God for is we're we're asking him for a God's eye view. We want to see things from his perspective. Look at verse 1. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Moses, he's... He's taking his eyes off of his circumstances and he's fixing them on God and he's saying, wow, God, you exist forever all the way back and forever all the way forward. You have no start and no end. God exists outside of time. He's bigger than us. He's eternal. He's not like us. He goes on. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past. Moses is saying time is different for God. God stands outside of time. We're told that a thousand years, a thousand years for us, for God, is like yesterday. Boom. It's over. And then he contrasts uh, God with us. Unlike God, our lives are remarkably short. Look at verse 5, he says, You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed, and in the evening it fades and withers. He, he's comparing our lives, our entire lives, to a dream. You know, when you wake up in the morning, you're like, what was that thing I dreamed about last night? He's saying, that's what our lives are like. Or, or he compares it also to grass. And in this image, it's like grass that's you know, strong in the morning. And then when the hot sun comes out, by the end of the day, it's, it's withered, it's dry. I think of the, the grass clippings in your lawn. You know, they're just sitting there, and they just wither up. He goes on to say, you know, we, we live to be 70, and if you're really strong, maybe you'll live 80, 90, more than 80 years. Moses is looking, fixing his eyes on God, and and gaining a perspective. And as he does this, he concludes. If you look down there at verse twelve, he concludes with these with these words. So teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. Don't act like you're going to live forever. Don't act like you're going to live forever. Uh, Generation after generation has come and gone on this earth. A hundred years from now, none of us will be here, except for maybe some of the babies in the nursery. Generation after generation has come and gone. Let me apply this again specifically to the moms. Moms, are you... Have you numbered your days as a mother? What I mean is, is, soon your child will grow up and be on their own. And your job as a mom is not uh, just to care for them now, but to, to care for them with a vision for the future. To know that someday I want my child to be on their own, self sustaining. And not even self sustaining, I want them to actually be able to take care of me when I'm old. And to raise their own children and their own grandchildren. We need this God's eye view of generation after generation. This brings us to point two. What what should we ask God for when circumstances don't improve? We need to ask him for mercy. What I mean here is first, we need to ask for mercy. Um, It is okay to ask for him to change our circumstances. But we also need to ask him for mercy from our own sins. Look at verses uh, 7 through 11. We'll just touch on a few of these. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. Here, Moses sees that God, God sees all of our sins. They're right there in front of him. He cannot ignore them. And actually five times in this passage, Moses mentions God's anger or wrath. What, why all this talk about anger? Well, in, in a very real sense, uh, we, all, we all have a chronic illness. Uh, just like K.J. Ramsey, the author of this two shall last, we all have a chronic illness. We're all headed towards Death. <clears throat> to say it another way, death is one circumstance, one circumstance that will never change. And we're all headed there for the same reason. Our sins and the sin of our forefather Adam. But Moses, he, he knows that God is merciful, so he cries out to him in verse 13. He says, return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. He's saying, Lord, give us better than we deserve. I know we don't deserve this, but would you give us better than, than what we deserve? If you're here today and you're not a Christian, uh, we're, we're glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're here. Don't wait. Do not wait to give your life to Jesus. Life is short. There is no promise of tomorrow. We're like grass that in the morning is strong and by evening has withered away. Let today be the day that you turn to Jesus. Moms, I want to apply this to you again. I want to apply all these to to moms specifically today. You should feel um, a weight to your job and also a freedom. Freedom. Uh, You have sinned against your children. I mean, this is not a surprise to you, probably, hopefully. You need to ask God for mercy in your parenting. You need His help. You need His mercy. Not only for yourself, but you need to pray and ask God for mercy on your children. That He would not give them what their sins deserve. Pray and ask Him for mercy. Again, point three, what should we ask God for when circumstances don't improve? We should ask to be satisfied in God. We see this in verse 14. Moses says, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. See, Moses recognizes uh, something that most of us don't, we don't realize. And it's, it's that it's possible to be satisfied even in bad circumstances. So instead of asking for a change in his circumstances, he asks for a change in his attitude. And this, this change of attitude comes only by finding our satisfaction in God. And so he says, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. I'll ask you, do you think, when you look at your life, do you think the only way for you to be glad is for your circumstances to change? I mean, that's just, that's how most of us think. We see a problem, we think, if I could just solve this, if this would go away, everything would be great. It could be relational, it could be health, um, it could be money, whatever it is. Do you think that the only way for you to be glad is for circumstances to change? That's not true. That's not true. It's often, Moses shows us, teaches us, it's often when we stop running from hardship and we actually submit to God's will, it's in those moments that we can actually find joy. So how do we apply this? Well, we we ask God. Next time, instead of asking for a change in circumstance, just simply ask him, God, Would you satisfy me with your steadfast love today? Moms, beware of getting your satisfaction. Beware of letting your mood rise and fall with the mood of your children. I mean, man, that's going to be a roller coaster, right? That's going to be a roller coaster. Uh, Your children's love for you will fluctuate second by second. God's love if in fact you are satisfied with his love, is is unchanging. So we're called to to be satisfied in the morning with his steadfast love, no matter what our kids do. So let's keep going. Uh, Look at the transition. So um, we're looking now at point four. Reversal in the future. What should we ask God for when circumstances don't improve? We need to ask for a reversal in the future. We see this in verse 15. Moses says, Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many years as we have seen evil. So again, notice Moses doesn't ask for the suffering to stop. He asks that God would make them happy for as long as they have been sad. He he knows that his lot is for 40 years of wilderness wanderings. He's made his peace with this reality. He's like, yep, this is the way my life is going to end. So he asks for for times of rejoicing to come later. And so when when we talk to God in the midst of unchanging circumstances, we need to ask God, God, would you make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us? Christians, you need to realize that God will never ask his children to suffer forever. Your suffering as a Christian is temporary. No matter how long and severe it may be, it will be followed by glory. Again, moms, um, listen to what Jesus Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5. He says, blessed are you when others revile you. Let me just say that again. Blessed are you when your kids revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. It's time to put the video games away. Mom, you're mean. You're mean, mom. Blessed are you when others revile you. Uh, take heart. Your kids are stacking up all kinds of treasure in heaven for you. They are stacking up all kinds of treasure for heaven in, in heaven for you, which, which without your children, without all their sneers and reviling, you would never have access to that treasure. You would be much poorer in heaven if not for your kids. So you can thank them. Let's keep going. What should we ask God for when circumstances don't improve? And I actually want to take these last two two points together. First, we ask for a glimpse of His master plan and for favor on our work. We see this in verses 16 and 17. Let your work be shown to your servants in your glorious power, to their children. See, Moses is asking to witness God's power. Uh, he, he understands that his suffering, his wilderness wandering, fits into a much larger plan, a master plan that God is weaving throughout history. And he's asking God, he's, he says, God, would you show us? Would you let us have a glimpse of what you're up to? I mean, you you can imagine wandering in the desert, not for for 40 days or 40 hours. That would be excruciating enough for most of us. But for 40 years, in, in wrestling day in and day out, how in the world is God at work in this? How can God be at work in this? And so Moses begs God, God, please let us see what you're up to you give us a glimpse of the big picture. John, John Flavel was a a pastor in England in the 1600s, long time ago, 400 years ago. And he was a, he was a faithful pastor and he preached every Sunday. One Sunday um, he, he got up like any other Sunday to preach. And that day he prayed, Lord, would you save someone? Would you convert someone in my congregation today? Well, no one was converted that day. And and John Flavel, uh, he continued to preach for the rest of his life, about 40 more years until he would die. Uh, Little did he know that in the congregation that day was was a 16-year-old young man named Luke Short. Now, Mr. Short, Luke Short, ended up moving not long after that sermon. He ended up moving as a teenager from England to a new place, fancy place called America, or whatever it was called then. Um, he was a colonist. He came here. He came to Virginia, all the way from England, and he moved uh, moved to Virginia and spent the rest of his life there as a farmer until. Uh, when he was about 100, 103 years old, some 85 years after he heard that sermon, he sat in, in his field after a day's work of farming as a 103-year-old, and he was reflecting on on his life. And he recalled a sermon he had heard preached by John Flavel. And he remembered Flavel's words In that sermon, he said, If any man does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. And there, 85 years later, long after Flavel's death, a continent away across the Atlantic Ocean, a lifetime away, he was convicted of sin, and the Spirit of God converted Luke Short. He, he would die three years later, and his, his tombstone said, uh, his tombstone reads this: "Here lies a baby in grace, aged three years, who died according to nature, aged 106." Christians, God is at work. God is at work. not when not in our timing not the not the way we would have him do it but god is at work and who who does he choose to do his work look at verse 17 let the favor of the lord our god be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us yes establish The work of our hands. Moses' last request in this psalm is to establish their work. He repeats himself. And and just imagine, you know, he's saying, Lord, here I am day in and day out, laboring in the desert. Will, Will you make all of this worth something? Don't please do not let this be a waste. Make all of this toil amount to something. You know, by worldly measures, the last 40 years of Moses' life was just a complete waste. I mean, just a complete waste. 40 years of wandering. There's there's nothing glamorous about these 40 years. And so Moses begs God, would you make all of this toil count for something, please, God? Mom's uh, Moses' work was the mom equivalent of changing diapers. Um, It's mundane. It's smelly. It's thankless. And yet, at the same time, God would use it as an integral part of his grand plan of redemption. See, not only is God at work, through sermons like the one John Flavel preached, but God is at work through our mundane, day-in, day-out faithfulness to him. Our mundane, everyday toil. Uh, one of my favorite authors, his name is uh, Doug McKelvey, he has a, um, something called Every Moment Holy. He's written this book, Every Moment Holy, And in that book, he has prayers for everyday circumstances. And he has one for changing diapers. Because it is hard to change diapers and to think to myself, this is really important work, isn't it? But it is important. Let me read what he says in this prayer. Heavenly Father, in such menial moments as this, the changing of a diaper, I would remember this truth. My unseen labors are not lost. He goes on, So take this unremarkable act of necessary service, and in your economy, let it be multiplied into that greater outworking. Open my eyes that I might see this act of love for what it is from a fixed vantage point of eternity." How the changing of a diaper might sit upstream of the changing of a heart. How the changing of a heart might sit upstream of the changing of the world. You see, not only is God at work, but he is at work through our mundane toil. As we walk in obedience to him, as Moses walked in obedience to him, God answered Moses' prayer. He heard his prayer and he answered it. He established his work. And here we are, generations later, looking back to the wilderness wanderings of Israel. God has established his work. God was at work when Joseph was sold into slavery in Egypt. He was at work when Joseph did his chores in Potiphar's house. When he he took care of the prisoners in that prison he was wrongfully thrown into. God was at work when Moses' mom placed him into that basket into the Nile River. God was at work. God was at work when Israel did one more lap around the Sinai Desert. God was at work when, when Esther, remember we talked about Esther a few months ago, When Esther was taken to be a concubine in Persia, God was at work. God was at work when Mary gave birth in a shed to a baby she never expected to have. God was at work when Mary, young Mary, woke up and got out of bed for the third time that night to nurse her little baby boy. God was at work. And God was at work years later when that same Mary would watch her son be pinned to a tree for my sins and yours. Christian, when your circumstances don't change, You need to know God is at work. Not later. Not when things get better. Right now. He's at work. In your suffering. In your toil. No matter how impossible. It is to see. God is at work. It's an undeniable reality that. As Christians, our lives will not be a steady upward climb to victory. Not in this life. It will. Our lives will include prolonged suffering. But in God's economy, nothing is wasted. No pain, no toil, no suffering will be wasted. God will take your toilsome work, and he will establish it as a perfect part of his plan of redemption. This is really good news. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are in charge of the universe. Uh, You are from everlasting to everlasting. Lord, uh, it's true there are many circumstances which will not change in our life. Lord, would you give us the faith, would you give us eyes to see that you are at work? Would you give us the faith to believe that you are at work? This is not something often, Lord, this is not something that we can see with our eyes. We have to believe it. We have to believe that you are in charge and you are up to something. And God, we look forward to seeing exactly what you've been up to in the new heavens and the new earth. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.